Welcome to episode one of Family Matters, a folk horror role-playing adventure set in the fictional village of Solemn Vale. Located somewhere in the southwest of England, an idyllic facade of rural bliss masks a dark and sinister side of a community riddled with malevolence and corruption. Solemn Vale is a narrative-driven storytelling game where the players tell abhorrent tales of horror and the supernatural, making it a perfect mechanism for us to explore, through storytelling and narrative, ways of incorporating folklore into the everyday. If you want an easy-to-understand hint into the style of the game, think about the classic folk horror stable of films such as The Wicker Man or Blood on Satan's Claw. I hope that you enjoy this somewhat different series of bonus content, which we have produced in a new collaboration with the gaming podcast Red Moon Roleplaying, who I can highly recommend if you like the organic storytelling ideas that games such as this afford. Episodes of Solemn Vale will release every Tuesday for the next six weeks. Tracy and I play the characters of Graham and Linda Parker, and our storyteller is freelance games writer and developer Matthew Dawkins. If you are a regular follower of the Folklore Podcast, and especially if you listen with your family, please note that unlike our normal episodes, this series does explore adult themes and uses language to match. It is marked as explicit on the podcast feed and is not suitable for children, or probably those of a nervous disposition. Welcome to Solemn Vale. We hope you enjoy your stay. We open our story with the approach of one Linda and Graham Parker. A married couple that live primarily in London. They each have their own little corners of industry both quite well-to-do in their own respective ways. And certainly they've never heard of the village of Solemn Vale until very recently. Perhaps, Tracy, you would like to explain what is bringing Linda Parker to Solemn Vale. Well, it was all a bit of a surprise, really. Um, I had this letter out of the blue, and... um... It was from a solicitor in somewhere called Plymouth, which I think is down in Devon, but I'm not really sure. I wasn't very good at geography at school. And um, he said that I've got a great aunt on my father's side who has passed away and left me a big estate. And at first I thought it was a joke, but there was a phone number, so I rang him up and um, and he was a very nice man. And um, yeah, he told me I've inherited this estate and so we've decided that... We really ought to go down and have a bit of a look at it and see what it's like. It's very exciting. And what are Graham's thoughts on this little adventure away from the city? Well, I mean, what can a what can an estate in a rural area like this Solemn Vale possibly be? I mean, if it's going to be anything, it's going to be some kind of old crumbling pile, isn't it? It's going to need thousands of pounds spending on it to actually make it worthwhile so uh, it's going to take me away from the city 
as, as a restaurant critic, I think it's, it's unlikely that I'm going to be able to criticise very much in solemn veil other than a bit of pie and mash down the local pub. So, I, I don't know. I think we're wasting our time to do anything other than look at the property, find out from the solicitor what it's worth, and then put it on the market. You've been instructed to meet the solicitor, one Mr Livingstone, at the Bowler's Arm in Solemn Vale, a pub. Uh, pretty improper to have to deal with matters of legal dispute or clarity in a pub, but as you've probably ascertained, Solemn Vale isn't the most built-up of areas, and he has no standing office there. You've never dealt with this Livingston before, so you assume he had connection to your great-aunt. Your journey there is inauspicious. It's a bright day, it's a nice day for travel, and the roads heading southwest are empty, increasingly so, as you go deeper and deeper into Devon. You're approaching the cliffside, you've been having to pick up maps as you go. The only map you could find in central London that covered Devon was county-wide, and certainly didn't show a site as small as Solemn Vale on it. So as you entered Devon itself, you tried to find something that was a little more localised. Finally, you found a map in the most stranger places. A pit stop, really. A petrol station that had a collection of maps and flyers and tourist information brochures that you don't think have been updated in the last 20 years. It was there that you finally found a rather frayed around the edges browning map that had Solemn Vale quite nicely placed at the end of what was apparently a train line, although you're not sure it runs there anymore. As you crest a verge, pass round a hill, you start to make sight of it. Not that far away, yes, according to the map, this must be it. You approach, as predicted, past a train station that looks as overgrown as anything you've ever seen. You don't see anyone walking by, you don't see anyone out in the fields working. For all intents and purposes, this could be a ghost town. And this does bear all the hallmarks of having the size of a town. But it's marked on the map as a village, so I guess that's what it is. You peel in between the buildings, all marked with brown and grey stones, made in the comforting southwesterly style. And slowly but surely, Solemn Vale comes to life. You see a woman pushing a pram along the street. You see a couple of old deers bustling along from one place to the other, deep in conversation. There's a man sat in the centre of a roundabout at the centre of the village. You're not really sure what he's doing there, but he's watching your car as it goes past. For the life of you, though, you can't find where this Bowler's Arm pub is. All the buildings are pretty much unmarked. Even the ones that are looking like stores, you can't see from the car on a shingle or a sign above the door what kind of business they're offering. You realise you're a fast approaching appointment time. It's taking you longer to get down here than you thought. Oh, for goodness sake. 
Linda, this is ridiculous. How difficult can it be to find a pub in a village of this size? Look, pull over up there. Look, ask that chappy that's walking down the road. Oh, all right. You pull over, and you don't really need to worry about obstructing traffic, despite the narrowness of the lanes here. There's hardly a great proliferation of cars. A fellow who looks a little dishevelled, wearing a threadbare cardigan, hair all swept to the side in a rather strict way, leans forward as he sees you curb crawling towards him, and he's looking through your window, eyes fixed on the both of you. I'll wind down my window and... uh, uh, Excuse me, we're looking for the Bowler's Arm pub? Can you tell us where it is, please? We're supposed to be meeting somebody there. Yeah. Where are you from, then? We're from London. London, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Ellen Taylor is my name. Oh, nice to meet you. I'm Linda Parker. The Graham. Parkers, eh? Mm-hmm. Used to have some Parkers here. Oh, did you? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. How long ago was that? Ooh. Last one lived probably seven, eight years ago. What as recently as that? I wonder if they were relations of mine. Apparently I had family here. Maybe. They were all related when we were in a room, eh? <laughs> <laughs> But bowlers are anyway. Uh, yes, yes. The, the public house. Easy to get turned around in here, don't worry. But if you head down that road, just up ahead, turn right. Now it's going to look like the road's coming to an end because you're approaching the church, but don't worry. There's a one-way lane. You go left at the church. Get a bit further down. There's a little shop there. You'll be able to see it's a shop. It's got a little green cladding outside. And when you pass the shop, you'll be able to go straight up to the pub. There it is. Yeah, you see the pub. It's got a lovely sign outside. Uh, yeah, you'll see it. It's got a, uh, it's got a little bowling green on the other side of the uh, road. Very clear. Oh, lovely. But easy to miss if you ain't looking for it. Well, we've certainly proved that because we've been looking for it for quite a while. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's all right. No, you make me clear. You have a lovely time. Thank you very much, Mr. Taylor. It was lovely meeting you. Same same for you. I drive off. Following his directions? Yes. As you drive off, checking your mirrors like any good driver might, you can see him just standing there on the side of the road, eyes just fixed on you as you turn around the corner. Then he's out of sight. You bump down a road that clearly hasn't been maintained for a while. And sure enough, the church up ahead does conceal a lane that turns left. But you head on down it. The walls here are oppressive. You wouldn't be surprised if one building on one side of the road and another on the other have been contesting for land ownership and so they've just been getting closer and closer and squeezing this lane shut. Certainly there wouldn't be room for even a bicycle beside your car. But then you see it. Opposite the bowling green as advertised the bowler's arm pub and it's reassuring refreshing it's the first building in this place that's really looked alive there's a man standing outside having a smoke and you can see a couple of tables and chairs in a garden Uh, they're unoccupied but they look well maintained Uh, there's a small car park enough room for your car and there's a BMW in there already oh look the uh, BMW there must 
belong to Mr. Livingstone. I imagine most of the people around here would be driving a horse and cart rather than anything else. I mean, somebody appears to be growing a lawn up the middle of the lane. I mean, what kind of roads are these? That was a little bit scary. I wasn't sure we were in the right place. Well, it's no, no, it's no surprise that we couldn't find the place, is it? I mean, it's not exactly on the main road. All right, let's, let's pull in and, uh, and go and find your solicitor, Chappie, then. And I pull into the car park. You make your way into the pub. There's quite a few people here for mid-afternoon on a weekday. Uh, you can see adult men, women, there's even a couple of children chasing each other around a table. There's a darts game in action. A large man, bearing all the hallmarks of a stereotypical landlord, leans on the bar with both hands resting on clenched fists, something like a gorilla. And as you walk through the door, he raises his eyebrows at both of you. Well, hello there. Good afternoon. Afternoon. To both of you. Uh, we're, we're here to meet uh, Mr. Livingstone. Do you know if he's here? Hi. Yeah, he's uh, over there in that corner. Ah, uh, thank you so much. Uh, would you like a drink, Linda, before we... Uh... Oh, yes, I think that would be nice. What would you like? Oh, well, I think I'll... I'll have a baby sham, please. Why not? I'll have a, a pint of Watney's Pale Ale and a, and a baby sham, then, please. Pale Ale, eh? Well, unless you can recommend something more local that's worth trying. No, we got some local brews. Well, what have you got on? Oh, let's see. Well, I can recommend the uh, Badger Stump... That sounds uh, intriguing. It's a darker beverage, but people around here love it. Well, well, if it's good enough for people around here, I'm sure it's good enough for us, Linda. I'll, I'll try a pint of Badger's Stump then, please, yes, and a baby sham for the lady. Of course. Uh, he's over there. He points over toward the corner again. Thank you very much. Uh, Linda, wait. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Uh, yes? Uh, you, I, I'm not bringing the drinks over to you. I know you're not from around here, but you need to take the drinks yourself. Uh, no, no. Set up straight no, away. No, no, I was going to uh, send my wife over to meet him while I waited for the drinks. That's fine. Mm. Uh, Linda, why don't you go and uh, meet Mr. Livingstone? I'll, I'll wait for this fine fellow to uh, pour All right, dear. Uh, Linda, heading over to the advertised corner, does indeed find a small man... Round spectacles, bald on top. He's wearing a suit, and he has a lot of paperwork fanned out in front of him. Uh, he has a briefcase on the seat beside, and he sat on a U-shaped sofa. And he looks up, adjusting his glasses. Oh, it's... Oh, hello. Hello. Oh, you must be Mr. Livingstone. Harold. Hello, I'm Linda Parker. It's really lovely to meet you. Lovely to meet you as well. Uh, is your husband here? He's just over at the bar getting some drinks. Oh, did you want anything? Now that's all right. I've uh, been drinking since I got here. Oh, no, no don't worry. Nothing strong. Uh, yes, just, just feeling parched. Uh, do, do take a seat. Linda shuffles along the U-shaped sofa next to him, looking at all the paperwork that's spread out. Yes, yeah, so it's... Um, so did you know the deceased... To be perfectly honest with you, Mr Livingstone, I'd never heard of her before I got your letter. 
and I actually thought that your letter was a wind-up from one of my friends. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm going to need to make the letterhead a little stronger <laughs> then so that people don't uh, think that. Uh, no, well, uh, to be quite candid with you, uh, M- Mrs. Graham, uh, I-, I didn't know the deceased either. Uh, when we received the death certificate through the post, I had to do some digging to find out that she was even a client of ours, not one of mine. Uh, one of my colleagues, um, also long since departed, uh, must have taken her on at some point, and she just never changed uh, solicitor, and so the will was left with us. My goodness. I'm, I'm just most amazed that she'd even heard of me, because... Oh, I don't think she had. I think she had uh, left it to your father... And, of course, with him also being passed, uh, it it went to you, as you had no siblings, at least as far as my records showed. So that's how these things work. Oh, I see. No, no, I'm, a, I'm afraid I'm the last of my family. I mean, it, it may, may be that uh, she had heard of you. I, don't get me wrong, I have no, I, no insight into the deceased mind. I'd never met the woman. Uh, but I certainly have a very detailed uh, last will and testament, and that's uh, reassuring in this day and age, I can tell you. Oh, I can imagine. So so what do we do now? Well, uh, first of all, I need to just explain to you some of the things that uh, you've been left in writing, and then the reason we're meeting here in particular is because it really helps to survey any properties immediately. Uh, because it may well be that you already have something in mind for what you'd want to do with it, making a holiday home, uh, sell it off, uh, have it destroyed, build something on its premises, whatnot. You may have already had that discussion with your husband. Now, if we can get all of that sorted in a single day, you made my life very easy, but what's more, uh, it means it costs the estate less. So if there is any value wrapped up in all of this... Well, you're not going to be losing money with repeated appointments with me. Oh, I see. All right, then. Ah, here's your husband. Here we are, dear. One baby sham. Good afternoon, Mr. Livingstone. Uh, Mr. Graham. Yes. Yes, Harold. Harold. Uh, Harold. Yes, yes. Graham Parker. Nice to meet you. Oh, sorry. My apologies. I I, I had your surname down as Graham. He puts a line through something. You, as I said, as I was explaining to your wife... Uh, my my connection to the deceased very thin, and so uh, I, I apologise, Mister and Missus Parker. He points at uh, Linda. You really should have corrected me, you know. <laughs> oh, sorry, I didn't like to. <laughs> Feel like quite the fool. Either way, uh, so. He pushes a piece of paper across. I've been uh, working through this past few days, and here's my best summation of uh, what uh, Ms. Cable has left for you. Uh, See, you have the estate that was detailed in the letter we sent to you. There's also some sundries, uh, a little bit of jewellery, apparently, uh, which is always nice. Uh, Some books, which you may or may not wish for. Uh, Now, it does have on here that there's a car, Uh, Now, when my colleague initially came out to survey the property, just to make sure everything was in order, he couldn't find a car, so I'm not sure where that is. Uh, But that's that's something, once everything's signed over, that we can essentially ask the police to look into. Uh, My understanding is, again, to be candid, uh, 
Uh, Ms. Cable, despite her advanced age, uh, we have her down at 96 at the time of her death. Um, well, again, there's a bit of conflict here. Because Death Certificate has her recorded as dying at home. Now, the... Uh, the local newspapers, and we do like to check newspapers for obituaries, news stories related to the deceased. It helps us sometimes uh, attach uh, deceased to lasting relatives. Has her dying somewhere outside the village? Uh, it um, specifically, and he pulls a piece of paper out. Um, and apologies if this comes as any kind of shock to you. Uh, but it's best to be candid, as I say. Uh, she was uh, found in a field looking up at the stars that she loved so well um, just outside the village of Solemn Vale. Now, I'm not sure why there's a conflict there. I don't think it really matters. It's not going to affect anything legally speaking. But it is possible, and this is just me putting two and two together, that if she did have a car, it was te she drove it out to this field or nearby, and the police might have had it towed away if they found it just on the side of the road. That's my guess. And, and here's the most curious thing. Most curious of all. Uh is you've been left a bit of a mine. Really? I'm sorry, did you say mine? <laughs> well, yes. Uh, you see, around here there used to be an awful lot of tin mining, uh, among other things, but tin was the uh, largest trade. And it would appear Ms. Cable, whether she had any operating interest in it at all, uh, owned part of a mine, uh, now, this is probably the most complicated part of her will, because when it comes to industrial trade and and leaving parts of business, we then have to track down other interests. Uh, so that's something for us to look into, not something you need to concern yourselves with. But what it does tell me is there may be more of interest to you in Solemn Vale, more than just a house you could tear down. Well, this 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 is a yes, as you say, a very interesting development. What was mined in this mine? Do we know? Unfortunately, not. Uh, we have it down on her will. This is where this is the only record we have of the place. Uh, so we're still having to do some <laughs> digging. But from what I can see from uh, local, well, what my colleagues uh, rather, we have clerks for this kind of thing. Uh, have been able to look into. There aren't any operating mines in this region. Not anymore. Uh, so, uh, it may well be that you've just been left part of an old disused mine shaft, which, of course, is no use to man nor beast. Uh, well, no, quite. I mean, do we know what this, uh, this lot's all worth, all told? Well, by my clerks and surveyors' uh, calculation, and again... It really depends, because buildings like this, and jewellery is still within the building, in a safe, um, we guess at the region of probably £850,000. Oh my goodness, as much as that? Well, it's not just the building itself, but the land surrounding it. It's quite capacious, <laughs> to use a uh, rather colourful word. My goodness. Uh, and, yes, uh, but, but 
I should warn you, that is at the upper end of what we calculate. It's always best to calculate for what it could be worth. That's if you can find a buyer. What sort of conditions it in? Well, that's going to be for us to go and uh, review shortly. Uh, I- I've I've not seen it myself, uh, but I'm told it is livable. Uh, that that's really all. Uh, one of my colleagues has done the survey and has walked around. It didn't fall through any staircases or floors, thankfully, and uh, surveyed the entire place as livable. Uh, as as I explained. However, the note says would require a great deal of renovation to bring up to a modern standard. Uh, well, well, if it's livable, then surely it's sellable. Oh, well, yes, if you can find the buyer. I think that's the that's the key issue here. Having properties like this is all well and good, and I'm no. Uh, property salesman myself, you know, I've never worked in that kind of trade, but what I do know from having dealt with uh, Last Wills and Testaments all my life is that if it's all well and good having an estate this size and having a livable property in the centre of it, but you need to find the right person or family uh, with £850,000 who wants to live specifically in the lower end of Devon. Uh, now, you may think uh, there's plenty, plenty of people in the city who want to move away, but it's in- becoming increasingly in vogue, I have to say, to move abroad. Uh, and also the Lake District is very popular these days. But uh, th- this is all just uh, me being anecdotal. Uh, £850,000 is how much the estate, its land, the building, and all assorted contents are valued at, uh, which is a nice figure from a great-aunt you've never met. Oh, it certainly is. It's all a little bit overwhelming, to be honest, Mr Livingston. Um, I think we seem to be kind of leaning towards the sale route, but I think I'd rather like to see it before I make any firm decisions. Oh, well, that's a must. We have to. It's part of the policy. So uh, if you're happy uh, with what I've explained to you so far, if you could just... He passes a fountain pen... Just sign there. There's doesn't oblige you to do anything. It's just telling me that you've heard everything that I've said and understood it. Oh, right, yes. So Linda takes the pen, has a quick glance through the paper and, uh, and then signs her name at the bottom. As you have a look through the paper, you do see that the paperwork states that your great-aunt left it in equal parts to you and any spouse or children. Oh, look at this! Look at this, Graham. Mm. Your name, your your on here is my spouse. Look at this. It says equal parts to me, to my spouse, and to any children. Obviously, we haven't got children, but that means that we'd be joint owners, I suppose. Uh, yes, yes. Well, that's I suppose quite usual for leaving well, something to a family member. Well, no, actually, it's not. Oh, really? Uh, You see, uh, I was explaining to your wife that uh, Ms. Cable uh, left it to your wife's father. Now, I've... And again, apologies for the lack of paperwork. But we've got the original will. We we certainly have that because it leaves uh, the property and everything else to your father. However, we have an amendment 
lacking some signatures, but it would be legally binding, that specifies to spouse and children. Now, frustratingly, this amendment doesn't name the recipient. It could have been to your father, could have been to you. Uh, Probably to your father. Especially if it was left to him when he was young. So... Where, when we initially wrote to you, we said that it would be for uh, just you, Mrs. Parker. Um, the this amendment was found later, and hence the updated paperwork. Sorry, I should have clarified. Oh no, that's that's fine, Mr. Livingston. Uh, yes, I, I assume that it, that caused no issue. Don't see why it should. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, I'll allow you to review the paperwork anyway. I'll get myself another drink, and um, I'll have a smoke over by the bar, uh, and uh, I'll I'll be back. Uh, I'll let you talk things over. Thank you very much. Thank you. Mm. Well, this this kind of puts uh, another slant on it, Lyndon, isn't it? Oh, it's all a bit overwhelming, to be honest. I didn't expect it to be anywhere near as much as that. I think what we could do with that amount of money, though... Well, yes, I, I, th- I think we could do a number of things, none of which probably relate to Solemn Vale. Oh, I could finally stop working at the perfume counter. Yes, yes, it's uh, it's certainly an opportunity, isn't it? Uh, I'd be uh, I'd be tempted to uh, to have a look at the place, make sure that it is indeed worth what what they think it's worth, and, and then. Find out where, where the local uh, estate agents who deal with these sorts of properties are based and, and work from there. Yeah. I wonder how much it would cost to run it day to day. Why would you want to run it day to day? I'm not suggesting we live in it, are you? I'd need to see it first, but we've got to consider it. Surely. <sighs> For what reason? Watching the cows? Oh, come on, Graham. It's lovely down here, isn't it? Don't you think it so would be so much nicer to be able to open a window in the morning and see fields and trees and maybe cows rather than just smog and chimneys and roofs like we normally do? Well, yes, it would be green and it would be fresh, but, I mean, how long would that be of interest before we run out of things to do? Oh, it depends what you're looking for to do, doesn't it? Well, I think it's likely to further my career in food criticism, is it, for a start? Mm, are we going to have another discussion about Michelin? Well, I don't see there's any further discussion to have. You know, the, the career goal is to write for the Michelin Guide. I think the chances of a Michelin star round here are slightly less likely than the chances of a Michelin tyre garage. As Graham takes a sip, from his pint. Could you roll a body challenge, please? have rolled a two. Would you like to contribute any of your obstruction or any of the weird pool to that? I will contribute one weird point. Okay, make a note that you have a one weird point personally, and it's now eliminated from the pool, at least for now. You take a mouthful of your pint as if to emphasise your point about the Michelin guide, and immediately spit the mouthful back into your glass, without causing any kind of fuss or noise around the bar that would draw attention. 
Oh god, I, I think this is actually brewed from actual badger's stumps. Hmm, there's a lump in there uh, that wasn't quite solid. So solid that you'd have to chew. But, yeah, it didn't feel like a beer or ale should feel in your mouth. And looking in the glass now, you can see the part that you've just spat out sinking back down to the bottom. Maybe a massive clump of sediment, you're not sure. I think I'm going to have to go and have a word with the bartender about this. Are you right here for a minute? Oh, yes, I'll be fine. What on earth was that? It's like a big lump of something. Hesitate to guess. Uh, I won't be a moment. And Graham goes to the bar. Yeah. Um, there appears to be a large lump of something in this beer. Is, is that quite normal? The bartender holds it up, looks at it in the light. Yep. Really? You didn't. You didn't let it settle. Well, well, no. I mean, I, I like a beer with body, but this this is rather ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, I mean, what is it exactly? Mm. Just local ingredients, you know. No, I don't know. Can you be any more specific? It's probably a bit of barley or, you know, all stuck together. And usually if you leave it in the pint for long enough, it'll just sit on the bottom of the glass. You were either drinking it too quick or you didn't leave it long enough. Fine. Okay. I suppose you're used to drinking, what, uh, lager up in London. Well, I'm, I'm used to drinking a number of things that are normally slightly less lumpy than this one. Hmm. From the continent? <sighs> Mainly, yes. Ah, <laughs> we, we don't really do those, uh, like, carling and things like that here. Fine. Carlsberg. Fine, fine. I, I'll go and set it on the table for about an hour or so by the looks of it and give it another it, go. If you want something lighter, I can get you a baby sham like your wife. No, 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 I'm I'm good, thank you. Let's just leave it at that. Thank you for your time. A few of the fellows at the bar are having a quiet titter at your expense. I imagine they are. I say, I say, are you all right? Are you all right? Mr Livingston's paying attention now because he's at the bar. Are you okay? Yeah, yes, yes, I'm, I'm fine. I was just inquiring as to why my... Ale was quite so lumpy. Ah, okay. Uh, let, let's go back to the table. I've just finished my cigarette. Didn't want to smoke all over your documents. That's very, uh, very kind of you. Thank you. I return to the table with Mr. Livingston. Yes, you have to excuse the people around here. You, you wouldn't believe it. Uh, working out of Plymouth, you have to head out to these villages in the middle of uh, bloody nowhere all the time, and they all have their customs. They all have their special brews, and. All I can say is don't try the food. Yes, point duly noted, thank you. I think I was actually trying the food and the drink at the same time, though. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, uh, I think I've read one of your columns before. Really? Sorry to get uh, a little uh, personal. Uh, yes, I, I think I have. Uh, uh, I think I read your review of The Star... Uh, down in... Where would that have been? Well, you could tell me. Where was that uh, that restaurant, The Star? It was somewhere on the south coast. Oh, in uh, Torquay. Torquay, that was it. Because I'd been there. Yeah, so because I'd been to Torquay, Torbay. I, I was working there for a little while. 
and uh, well, between uh, lots lots of places on the coast, uh, and yes, you uh, you left a, a very scathing review, if I recall. Yes, yes, I I, I do recall it was uh, a bit like the rest of Torquay. I think I might have gone at the wrong time of year. It was all turkey and tinsel and and not a lot of uh, haute cuisine, shall we say. No, no, I, I suppose not. I, I mean, I, I perfectly enjoyed it when I was there, but uh, I suppose that was some time ago now. I just remembered the review, it made me laugh, and I remembered your name, and I suppose it's been nothing but up and up since then. I, I have concentrated mainly on London and the home counties since then, it's true. I, if I remember rightly, the, the Times sent me on a, a kind of rural tour for uh, for restaurant critic work at that point. Was it was it in the Times? I thought there was the Mirror. No, no, no. It was, it was definitely the Times. I think I, I would have remembered if it had been in the Mirror. Mm. Uh, either way, all all happy with the paperwork? Yes, I think so. Um, I've had I've had a look through, and it all seems to be in order to me. Wonderful. Well, if you want, we can take a drive in my car, or you can follow me to the house. I I think I'd be uh, I think I'd be inclined to bring my car with me if that's all right with you. Uh, we'll we'll follow you there. Absolutely. And so as you go to depart the pub, Mr. Livingston goes ahead, gives a nod to the barkeeper, who gives a nod back to him. Barkeeper just stares at uh, the two of you. It seems the longer you've been here, the more attention you've received. Converse to the usual western stereotype of everyone looking at you when you enter everyone's just watching as you depart and you make your way to the car park as you enter the car park you see a cat sat on your car roof oh would you look at that and he gets into his car uh, I, I pick the cat up uh, and pop it it hisses at you and lunges. Could you make a body roll, please? I'm going to add one of my ability points to this roll. Uh, roll a seven. You neatly step back as the cat lunges with surprising ferocity and then jumps from your hands. Skitters into the gravel of the car park. Hisses again and pads its way closer to the bar. It's probably tried the badger's stump, Linda. Come on, let's go. (laughs) I get in the car. I cast one quick glance at the cat before I follow suit and close the door. Uh, You can't see the cat anymore, so it must have disappeared into the pub or gone somewhere among the undergrowth. You can't see it. I shrug and forget all about it. The inside of your car has picked up a strange odour. It's immediately noticeable as soon as you climb inside. Oh my word, what's that? It's... It's... It's cat pee. Did you leave a window open, Linda? Oh dear. Yes, I did. Looking at... Yeah, looking around, you left it open a fraction. You wouldn't have thought that a cat could have fit in through there. You left it open like that? Mm-hmm. How the blazes did the cat get into the car, then, to do whatever it's obviously done in the back seat? 
Oh, I have absolutely no idea. Oh my goodness, open your window as well, it stinks. <clears throat> I do indeed wind my window down. Mr Livingston has pulled out of the car park and he's waiting for you to do the same. I follow, still slightly puzzled as to how a cat has managed to wee in the back of my car through a very small window slit. Linda reaches into her bag and pulls out a bottle of Charlie perfume and squirts it around in the direction of the back seat and then puts some on her handkerchief and holds it to her nose. You rumble your way through the village and out of it toward the larger manors and estates in the fields beyond. As you make your way out of Solomvale, it's possible to get a greater scope of the layout of this location. The, the shape of the village, the assortment of fields, the rises and crests, dips and valleys, and the forest just over to the west. It wouldn't be a terrible place to live. Uh, it's all very homely. It's like it's set down into a bowl, or if you are feeling a little more pessimistic, a pit. And not too far away from where the road is taking you, you can see the sea. The village itself isn't on the cliffside, but it wouldn't be too long a walk, you think, if you wanted to get a nice bracing view of a morning. Oh, this is beautiful, isn't it? Well, it's, it's certainly picturesque, yes. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. Look, you can see the sea. Yes, it's over there, look. That's really lovely. I'd love to be able to wake up to this. Wouldn't you? So different from London. Yes, if only you could take the view and move it somewhere a little more metropolitan. Oh, Graham, don't be so pessimistic. Very well, very well. Let's let's just get there and see what there is to see. We need to find out what the place is like. We might both take a look at it and go, oh my God, it's dreadful. But on the other hand, we might not. Yes, yes, yes. All right, well, let, let, let's go and uh, and at least have a look then. You arrive at what looks to be a sizable manor uh, at one point. Uh, it looks like it's been partially converted to a cottage. Uh, there's some old follies and standing stones from where the manor once reached into the grounds, but most of those are crumbled ruin now. Uh, there's a garage... Uh, vast overgrown gardens including garden features such as fountains and statues all of them wrapped tightly in undergrowth the gravel track that leads you toward the former estate of Ms Cable uh, is more mud track now it's clearly not been laid down in quite some time there's a Land Rover parked outside the front of the house already and you can see Livingston's car parking up behind it it's you would think the word livable is a strong definition but you've not seen the interior my goodness it doesn't look like anybody's done any work out here for ages does it no, I could certainly stand to have something done to the walls and to the gardens as well. I wonder what the inside's like. Isn't it lovely, though? 
Well, it's impressive. I'll really, give you that. It really is, isn't it? And all of this is ours. Apparently so. I pull up alongside Mr. Livingston's car. Livingston is pulling himself from the driver's seat with his briefcase in hand. He gives you a wave. Ah, well, glad we all made it. That's a lovely view, wasn't it? Oh, it was absolutely beautiful, yes. Hmm. Oh, who, who's this then? He points over at a fellow in a flat cap with a long wax green jacket down to his knees, mustard cords, thick jumper, and the ruddy kind of complexion that implies either a heavy drinker or someone that's worked the earth for many, many years, or both, stepping from the front door of the cottage, which is unlocked. They have staff here still, then? No, no, not, nothing like that. Good morning. Oh, sorry, afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, name's Holloway. Jack Holloway. He walks over to you, arm outstretched. Uh, nice to meet you, Mr. Holloway. I shake his hand. He gives a nod to your wife. Uh, mm, what are you doing here, then? Uh, uh, we could ask you the same question. Uh, I'm here to uh, for the upkeep. Since uh, Miss Cable died, well, this is Holloway land now. Uh, I don't think so. The paperwork says quite the contrary. Uh, left to her living descendants. And she doesn't have any descendants. No. I beg to differ, but uh, I believe she does. Yes, I'm her living descendant. I'm Linda Parker. It's nice to meet you, Mr. Holloway. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Mrs. Parker. Uh, there's been a great deal of confusion. Uh, I'm fairly certain we've got the rights to this land. Uh, Ms. Cable signed it over to us before her death. And have you got the documents for that? Oh, back at the estate, yeah. I've got the, the documents. I'm guessing you've got documents that say otherwise. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Mr. Livingston, uh, you, uh, any comment on this? Uh, the, the, this is brand new news to me. Uh, he pulls some paperwork from his briefcase and puts it on his car bonnet. If you'd just like to have a look here, Mr. Holloway. Hmm? He scans through it. Yeah, I can see the confusion. And do you have a date on that document? Oh, well, yes, this original one was uh, dated back in uh, 1948. Hmm. Well, Miss Cable signed it over to us far more recently than that. Ah, yes, well, we have this amendment. And when's that dated? Oh, it, it's not, unfortunately. Well, I don't think that really proves anything, then. Looks like we've got a bit of an impasse, haven't we? Well, I think it might be useful to at least have a look at the document that you've got, Mr Holloway, and then maybe we can get this whole thing sorted out. Yeah, well, he looks at Livingston, looks him up and down. You fancy a trip? Oh, yeah, yes, uh, of course. Um, all right, come over to mine. We'll have a look through the paperwork. He points at the two of you. 
You can have a look around the house if you want. There's nothing of value in there. But once all this is done, now we can have a drink down the pub. Say our goodbyes, because I'm pretty sure this is uh, airtight. He gets in his jeep, and he says, uh, You there, little man. Now the solicitor. Get in with me. We'll be, we won't be long. We'll bring you back round. It's all dirt tracks from here to my estate. Oh, righto, righto. I'll, I'll be back here shortly. All right. We'll just have a look around. <laughs> I'm sure this this will all be sorted very, very sorted out very quickly. Well, yes, let, let's hope so, Mister Livingston. We, you, you go and do your thing, and uh, Linda and I will have a little look round the house. You have listened to an episode of Family Matters, a folk horror role-playing adventure set inside the world of the game Solemn Vale. The game, which is not yet released, is being developed by Dirty Vortex, and you can find out more on their website at dirtyvortex.net. Our storyteller was Matthew Dawkins, and this series is produced in collaboration with Red Moon Role-Playing. To enjoy some of their other stories set in games which are rich in folklore themes, such as Vampire the Masquerade or Mummy the Curse, find them online at www.redmoonroleplaying.com. Music was performed by ProtoU and used with permission from their label, Cryochamber. Cryochamber are specialists in dark, ambient music. You'll find a wealth to enjoy on their website at cryochamber.bandcamp.com. If you're interested in what these recordings sounded like before they were edited, then join our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash thefolklorepodcast, where if you support us at a level of $5 a month or more, you'll have access to the raw, unedited recordings of our Solemn Vale adventure. Thanks for listening. See you next time.